This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. When we need to be real with God, honest with ourselves, and ready to meet him face to face. I do believe that God is preparing us for awesome things. What should be our most effective season in service in the kingdom. And therefore I am delivering what God has laid on my heart for this weekend. Just a quick reminder of the message last night, especially for those who weren't here, if you can pick up something, that would be great. Reminded us of the pen of the old revivalist that said, give me three wounds, Lord. The wound of contrition or repentance This is what removes self-strength and keeps us humble and holy before God. The wound of compassion, it causes us to empathize and identify deeply with those in need to the point where we are willing to take action on their behalf. And then the wound of seeking after God, if we can call it a wound, drives us, propels us to be alone with God, a desperation in a man or woman's heart for his glory and for his presence. Let me ask you once again to open your Bible to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20. I'm going to read the exact same passage of Scripture again, but we'll travel a little further this morning. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked him a favor. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. I wonder if they were thinking, I should be on the left or I should be on the right. 
Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. The key verse again for the message is, whoever wants to become great, among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must become your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And this morning, I simply want to handle two points very short and quickly. Firstly, the need for spiritual vision in the disciples for the eyes of Christ the need, secondly, the need for transformed heart and mind in the disciples, the heart and the mind of Christ. As I've studied this passage, I realize that it slowly peels away the hidden motives of man, exposing the hearts of the disciples. And as we read it, it reveals our own heart. It reveals to us our own motives. It reveals, certainly shows up human ambition. See, the disciples were being driven and motivated by the flesh. Flesh could see personal advantage, personal gain, personal position in the kingdom. In them, we do see the lower weaknesses of our humanity. Is that what you're living for. But Jesus said, can you drink the cup that I will drink? And of course, the answer was absolutely no. They didn't understand what they were asking, for only Jesus could pay the once and for all ransom price. In reality, the disciples did believe that they could perform that they could do 
everything they thought they would need to do in service to God and in the kingdom by their own strength, their own gifting, and their own ability. And I don't know about you, as I've traveled the road, I realize that actually any human ability that I can use uh, quite naturally very often has to be dealt with uh, and subdued within us all almost, or certainly surrendered over to the master, totally. Very often you will find that God will lay you aside in a particular area before he will raise you up in it. And of course, we know that one of the conditions to be effective in service in the kingdom of God is reliance upon him. I told you my ear was the wrong shape, Dave. So let me move to the main body of this message and look at these two things. The need for the disciples to see with the eyes of Christ. The need for the disciples to have the same heart and the same mind as Christ. So first point, bring it up, Paul. Now, let me just point out to you, as we've moved a little bit further in the word this morning, we've included the miracle of the two blind men who received their sight. This is not an accident that it's positioned just in this place, because we find that two men come and ask Jesus for position, although their mother mouthed the words. And two blind men Ask Jesus for their sight. Jesus was actually demonstrating through the miracle that if James and John were going to be able to see things as they really were beyond just human understanding, beyond just human perception, beyond what they could perceive in the natural, the spiritual eyes of their heart, the spiritual eyes of their understanding would need to be touched by the Master, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they might be able to see at another level and another dimension than anyone else can see in the natural. And so they called out for mercy. What a difference! Two men calling out for position. Two men calling out for mercy. The call for mercy was what moved the hand of God. The right spirit, even though these two men would have been regarded as nothing and left to beg at the side of the road. Here comes Jesus. And with the right cry for the human heart, God brings a miracle through for them. Jesus was moved with compassion. They were moved with ambition. For James and John at this point are represented almost by these two blind men. God gave these two men their sight. And I want to tell you that through the working of the Spirit, he would also give James and John their sight also. For they would begin to perceive with new vision and new understanding, new perception, eyes to see, ears to hear, feet to go hands to serve. Now, don't you be too hard on James and John. 
Because we could sit in judgment, listen, have a listen to your own heartbeat sometimes. What moves you? What motivates you? What stirs you? And we also know that actually James and John had an element of faith here because of what Jesus had previously said. They had faith, but they lacked knowledge. We've got the advantage of this book and the revelation of the Holy Ghost illuminating it to our eyes and granting us understanding. James and John at this point did not have that. But earlier Jesus had told them that he would suffer, that he would die upon the cross, and that he would rise again on the third day and establish the kingdom, and that the disciples would reign and rule with him, and that they would sit on 12 thrones. So it was quite a normal question for them to come and say, Jesus, can we be the two that sit on the right and the left? But of course, Jesus wasn't speaking of the same kingdom that they were referring to. Their expectation was that Roman dominance would cease and that the Jewish kingdom just for that particular area and time would be established and eventually it would become an eternal kingdom. But God had in mind something greater, the eternal kingdom for all peoples that will never end. So James and John and Salome, their mother, were motivated by pride and position. Friends, they didn't realize that the road to the throne was a hard one. But in James and John, God would prepare them and establish them ready, not for the earthly throne, but for ruling and reigning with Christ. It would begin while they are still in the body. And it would culminate when they saw him face to face. They would know what it was to have dominion over sin, over self, over death, over Satan. Would you like to turn to your neighbor and say, it's, start to it's time to start and reign and rule. Hallelujah. Reign and rule. And later on, of course, in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, Paul the Apostle prayed that great prayer. God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which we have been called. What a hope it is. Let me mention just three things. Firstly, the riches of his glorious inheritance. What a hope. Amen. Secondly, his incomparable great power at work in those who believe, those who reign and rule with Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And then thirdly, our raising up to the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I think we need eyes to see that. A mind transformed to understand it. Eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. See, right there at that moment in Matthew's gospel, in our story, the eyes of James and John were earthbound. Let me ask you the question. Are your eyes still focused 
on the things of earth alone. I love the Lord's Prayer. <coughs> Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you cannot see just how awesome and almighty and powerful your God is, then how can we really expect him to come? And bring his will and purpose in our hearts in these days. We need eyes wide open. But God would bring in James and John such a transformation that they would see through heaven's eyes. I want to read two passages of scripture this morning. I don't apologize for big Bible readings. The Bible tells us not to stop the public reading of the word of God. So the first passage I want to read, you will find in the book of James. I'll give you a few moments to find it, the book of James. Now, I would have loved it. It would have fitted into my sermon so fantastic if this was the same James. But sadly, it is not the same James. This is James, the brother of Jesus. But actually, God had to do the same work in all of them, so it fits in well. James, the brother of Jesus, was uh, slow to believe, and he was slow to come to be a follower of Christ. Probably not a real disciple until after the resurrection. So it fits in the story. Let me read it for you from verse... Well, let's start from chapter 1, verse 1, because it fits in so beautifully. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations... Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What a different attitude. One saying, put me on the throne. The others come to the realization that we will face many types of trials and that our spirit can have been so transformed that we count it pure joy. Is that normal? I don't think so. That's extraordinary. That's only possible by the power of the Spirit in dwelling someone. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Lord. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who, believe, who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. 
The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. Look at the connection. The man blind by the wayside, humble and in difficult circumstances, touched by God. And our heart needs to be humble. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat, withers the plants, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Would you like to turn to your neighbor and say, you'll get your bus pass soon as well. <laughs> we might be raptured before you get it, but if we're not, it won't seem very long. Oh, how we need to use the time that God has given to us. How weak we are. We must persevere and pursue God. Let me take you now to the second reading. You will find it in Revelation. And I just want to read one verse in chapter 1, well, and then a little bit further in the same passage. Just Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. And this is our man, this is John, this is the same disciple who is now years on and receiving revelation with eyes wide open, receiving incredible insight. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are yours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus on the Lord's day I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches Verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. I, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face 
was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. What a difference! In Matthew's gospel, we find John approaching for position to sit on one side of the throne. But his eyes have become so attuned and able to see and know eternal things that when he sees the Lord this time, his breath is taken away. He humbles himself. I know it was a spiritual experience, but he falls before the Lord prostrate at the manifestation of the Son of God. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you've seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The route that both James and John would travel would be a hard road. One writer tells the story of an old Roman coin being found. It had the picture of an ox on it. And the ox was facing two things. One was an altar and the other was a plow. The ox was ready for a moment of supreme sacrifice on the altar. This was the route that James would take. He was the first disciple to be martyred for his faith. The ox was just as ready to work long hours Serving, pulling the plow on the farm. John is believed to have lived a hundred years and died a natural death. The transition of where they were when they walked with the physical Christ at his side and to where God brought them towards life's end. In the early days, their focus was on crown wearing. In the latter days, they were more concerned about cross bearing. Willingly, they served the Lord no matter what the cost. And then secondly, the need for the disciples to have the same heart and the mind of Christ. I believe I am persuaded that the church is about to move into this fresh season I was speaking of, but it won't be a comfortable time. It won't be an easy time 
I said last night, may we, we may well be skirting along the edge of the tribulation period. Or oh, certainly we should be looking for the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the saints. Don't we need to ask God to bring a different climate in our hearts and our spirit? Don't we need a different climate and temperature and culture in the church and in the kingdom? And it's vital that we approach this time with the same heart and the mind that was in Christ. Let me read some scriptures. You don't need to turn to it. But talking about the mind and the heart of Christ, you would know I'd want to read Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement, any agreement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with his spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each one should look not only for his own interests. Don't you think we've had an issue and a problem in the body of Jesus? So many people just thinking of themselves. Where are the men and women of God of maturity that would sacrifice and, and give and, and serve and count the cost and pay the price? We just struggle to get out once a week on a Sunday, never mind doing anything else. Your attitude should be, the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I recently spent a time with a group of people from the fellowship where I serve. This feels like it's up near me. I never mind. <laughs> Don't you dare put this out on DVD. <laughs> and we asked the question. When will we have those times? When we walk into the house of God and the awesome majesty of Jesus 
is so deep. It greatly worries me of just how much focus in our singing and what we do is singing about what I'm going to do. Let me give you some good news. You can't do anything. Not of your own strength. Not of your own will. You see, that's building your own kingdom. And every kingdom will fall. That's why I've never tried to build a ministry. Waste of time. I don't produce glossy leaflets with pictures about myself. Waste of time. Waste of money. If God wants to put me in front of a few people, that's, that's good. If there's a bigger crowd, that's not bad. But I think we should be willing to sit with one and weep or rejoice. You might never make a name for yourself, but I tell you what, if you serve in the way God has called us to serve, you'll hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's a price, a price to pay. And right where you sit, and right where you are in life today, you may be the one calling at the side of the road. Have mercy. The Lord hears your voice. Hears your cry. Don't come with arrogance, with demand, with command. Come with an open heart and God will lift you up. Not to a throne where you gain recognition, but to heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There is no higher place to arrive. Of course, the key in this passage of Scripture to understanding it is the words others Jesus only ever had. It's on his mind. When he did this, went through this amazing sacrifice, you were on his mind. Isn't that beautiful? Always. And he longed to see this spirit and heart in James and John. 
and oh how we need to see the same selfless servanthood in us to cease thinking about our own interests and begin to think like Christ you see Jesus really is the wounded saviour the one who was willing to be the ransom and when you see him in glory you will look on the one who was pierced and recognize the Lamb of God. Amen. Jesus is still calling men and women to take up their cross and follow him. Church, there is a price for us to pay. It's not a ransom price, but it's the price of serving the Lord. We're about to play a track and a DVD right now. And then I'll rise to the podium just for a few more moments. If there's any little ones in, you might want to take them out. It is quite graphic. Forced to play in this drama, a part I did. 
said Even now they come The first one cried for mercy The people gave him none The second one was violent He was arrogant and loud I still can hear his angry voice Then someone said, there's Jesus I scarce believe my eyes A man so badly beaten He barely looked alive I watched him as he fell The cross came down upon his back The crowd began to yell In that moment I felt such agony In that moment I felt such loss Until a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed I heard him pray Father, forgive them Stand. 
So I took them in my arms And we turned and faced the cross Then I said, dear children Watch Matthew 10, 38, 39. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Have you ever considered how bruised and wounded and near death Jesus was before he faced the actual cross. And yet he still finished the course and made the sacrifice complete. Are we asking for a throne and a crown? Are we willing to take up our cross and follow him. Ours is not a ransom sacrifice, but there's still a price to pay. It's the surrender and the real giving of your life, no matter what the cost. As I come to the end of this message this morning, I have some concluding questions. Perhaps you have been deeply wounded in life and ministry and you have collapsed under the weight of the cross that you've been called to carry. God can come alongside and strengthen you and you can finish the course. Perhaps you've been challenged about your heart and mind and the way it's been working. God is calling you back to a place where ambition and desire have no place in your life, where earthly gain and success has no control over you. Maybe we have been thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Perhaps we are all being challenged this morning for renewed commitment to the work of God no matter what the road involves. With eyes like Christ, with his heart and with his mind, we can serve effectively for the kingdom of God. This is not a time for you to throw in the towel. Church, as we move into this next season and period, there is a greater price to pay. 
God will supernaturally empower his body to do what needs to be done. And we will, we will be strong. And God will do exploits through us in his name for his glory. Raise up the level of your commitment to Christ. Because together we can see the kingdom of God break through. Let your oil lamp be full. Deal with what you have to deal with in life. Shake yourself and stir your heart and be whom God has called and appointed you to be. Carry the cross God has called you to carry until you see his face. For you are seated already with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The story didn't end there. Tonight, we finish this series. I hope you will come. For I believe there will be a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.